When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Hey, this is Chow from the hills of southeastern Kentucky. Mark and Charity, you guys rock. I love listening to y'all. Keep up the great work. And I really hope that the crime creeps keep growing. Awesome job, guys. Thank Yeah, we hope they keep growing as well. Me too, yeah. What's going on, Charity? Um, Nothing. What's going on with you, Mark? As anybody can tell who's listening, me and Charity are still sick. <laughs> so we apologize in advance to how great our voices sound. but Yes. We took two days off for our birthday. It was like, we're going to celebrate. And then we've both been sick for a week. Unfortunately, yes. It's like, come on. It's not COVID. No. So that part's good. But we're left with like coughs and might lose our voices from here a little bit. But that's okay. Yes, but bear with us because this is a great case. So you did tell me before we even get in this case. I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to have a, this entire case is a trigger warning. Yeah, there's a lot in this case. It's a double parter and um, it, it involves all different walks of life, women, children, and um, violence, of course. And if anyone is triggered by that, they might want to not. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you before the really bad parts come, just so you know. All right. Well, before we move on, make sure you follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at Case Watch Podcast, Twitter at Case Watch Pod. Follow us on Instagram. I'm at not Mark B. Charities at charity underscore Case Watch. Do you like how I point to me and then I point to you when I'm saying our names? I, do. I just realized I did that. It's really fun. I think I do it every week and I just realized it now. Yeah, he uses his pointer a lot, guys. I, uh, yeah, because this is like, uh, I haven't oh. been able to use that. Do the other one. Do the other one. Do you know where it is? Meow. <laughs> of course I know where that button is. <laughs> that Are you kidding me? That makes him smile. That one makes me happy. It's so good. So, Charity, let's jump right in. Do you got some triple Ds? I sure do. Let's go. Okay. Here's the first one. Carl Starrett of North College Hull broke into a variety store twice in the month of February. He was identified by the store's cameras, and Starrett was arrested and sentenced to 100 days in excuse me, 180 days in jail. He was released after 90 days. Lucky, huh, Mark? That is like super lucky. You got half your sentence. I think he felt too lucky 
because just a week after being released from jail, he robbed the same store again. Wait, what? Wearing the exact same hoodie he wore the first two times he robbed it. What a dipshit. (laughs) That one's just total dipshit. The College Hill Police had this to say in their Facebook. If you're going to keep breaking into the same place, it is is it wise to wear the same hoodie? I love when the police like mock the criminal. Giving you advice like, hey, if you don't want to get caught so yeah. quick. It's it's just funny now that they have Facebooks and stuff that they actually write stuff back. It's hilarious. Some of these police departments are like spot on. They're good with their social media. Definitely. This next one, Mark, was actually sent to me um, by Zachary our crime creep. Did we give him a big shout out last week? We did. Cause he put something funny in the group. Yeah. Two for uh, two there, buddy. Yeah. He's doing good. So picture this Mark. It's a beautiful Minnesota day in right. May. Eyes are closed. Yep. I, yep. Yep. It's beautiful. That is until nine one one calls started coming in. The callers were concerned because there was a naked woman walking around getting in and out of various vehicles. All right, day still going good. Yep. Callers also stated that the naked woman was seen in a gold Pontiac SUV. When police arrived in Mankato, Mankato, trying guys, Blue Earth County, where the calls had come from, they found the said gold SUV and it was running, but in neutral. Hmm. About 15 feet away from the SUV was a Silverado with the rear driver's side door wide open. Officers then noticed feet hanging out, and when they got closer, they found Jennifer Dorrit Weber in her birthday suit. No, 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 no. Her nakedities. Her nakedities laying across the backseat. That's right. That's the People new word. like it. They like the naked. And I stole that word from uh, my girlfriend's family. Up oh, there you go. You see, Jennifer wasn't only in her birthday suit, Mark, um, and she was most likely in a stranger's vehicle. She was also um, masturbating. Wait, what? Uh-huh. Right out in the open for everyone to see. My day's still going good. <laughs> Police tried questioning the woman, and she answered them the best she could while continuing to pleasure herself. Wow. <laughs> she must have thought this was a totally normal activity to do in public. The officers stated that she seemed happy. Jennifer wasn't <laughs> making sense and seemed to be talking to people that weren't even there. She said she thought she was in St. Petersburg. Police asked her what made her go to the area. Her response was, to please the boys. (laughs) Wow. As the hour-long negotiation went on, police trying to get her out of the car without force, Jennifer continued masturbating. She was finally coerced out of the the vehicle with no clothes anywhere to be found. The officers searched the vehicles and did find drug paraphernalia. Shocker. Yeah. Jennifer was taken to the hospital and then to a detox facility. The owner of the SUV was questioned, and he said he did not give the naked woman permission to get into his vehicle. <laughs> in the Good end, cover story, <laughs> right? In the end, Jennifer was charged with indecent exposure, narcotics possession, DWI, and entering a vehicle without the owner's permission. These were all misdemeanors, though. So she only spent a few days in jail. Hopefully, the embarrassment of the entire ordeal will be enough to keep the 35-year-old off drugs. Or make her more popular with the boys. Well, that's why she went Yeah, she thought she was, to please the boys. That is awesome. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot. That one was a lot. I like it. And, it, of course, our picture was right there. Right, you get one of these. Meow. <laughs> is that like a star? That's a star. That's equal to a star. That's a gold star. I have one more. Would you like to hear it? I certainly would. 
Okay, this one's good. 30-year-old Jerry Watkins was arrested in Kenosha, Wisconsin after he caused a belligerent scene at a bar. (laughs) The cop showed up and then the out-of-control man was handcuffed by one of the officers. This would not be that said officer's best day. Jerry used his hand as a claw and clamped down on the officer's, you know, manhood. Oh, no. Luckily, it was on top of the clothes, not under. The vice grip was said to be so tight that it caused a very sharp pain. (laughs) The officer began hitting Jerry, hoping he would let go of his junk. He must have had that drunk superhuman strength. You know, like (laughs) the drunk people? I do. Superhuman strength. Or like they get in a huge bar fight, nothing happens to them. This is great. Yeah, exactly. When hitting him didn't work, (laughs) the officer started screaming. (laughs) Wait, this is good. Oh, my God. He's got my dick. Spray him. He's got my dick. Spray him. (laughs) The other officers quickly stepped in and pepper sprayed Jerry until he let go. The police officer had to seek medical treatment because his unit was discolored. The poor guy. Oh, my God. Right? He was told to see a specialist. Good old Jerry was charged with two felonies, battery on a law enforcement officer and causing substantial bodily harm or soft tissue injury to an officer. Wow. Soft Why would tissue. even someone do something like this? I guess if you're out of your mind drunk, you're not thinking at all, right? Yeah, that's probably not what he thought he was grabbing, I would assume. I don't know. Like, or maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> I love it either but way. But to, to grab that hard? Oh, my God. To cause discoloration, Mark. Well, they did describe it as the vice grip. The vice grip. Jerry, congratulations, buddy. You're a total douchebag. You're definitely a douchebag, Jerry. I love it, though. Oh, so funny. So, Mark, today we're going to be talking about the San Isidro McDonald's massacre. Okay, I've heard about this one, but I've not done any research on it. The head of this massacre was James Oliver Hubbardy. So he's the head douche. He is the douche okay. of all douches. Really biggest douche. One of the biggest ones we've had. You'll you'll find out. Okay. And that's saying a lot. That is because we've had a lot of douchey a douches. A lot of douchey douches. So let's just get into it. James Oliver Hubbardy was the second born child to parents Earl Vincent and Esel Evelyn Hubbardy. He was born October 11th, 1942 in Canton, Ohio. His father, Earl, worked as a quality inspector. This allowed his mom to stay home and attend to their children. The family was very religious and faithful members of the United Methodist Church. Unfortunately, when James was three years old, he got polio. This was pretty common at the time. The little toddler had to wear those braces on both of his legs. Oh, okay, yep. In hopes to prevent long-term effects. He evaded any horrible disabilities due to the braces, but was left with a slight limp. So he was left with a little bit of a, you know, which made him different, you know. At the age of eight, his father, Earl, decided it was a good idea to buy a farm. Just rando. Hey, I'm going to buy a farm. What do you guys think? His mom was not happy about this (laughs) at all and refused to even look at the 155 acre in Mount Eaton. Isil said she would not live on the farm because it was in such a rural area. Guess it wasn't her cup of tea. So she just up and left her entire family. Peace out. She took off to Tuscan, Arizona and began to preach the good word from the sidewalk. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's been said that his mother's abandonment had a profound effect emotionally on him. His father would find him on the farm alone crying. That's really sad. That's sad. Like just a little boy. Why'd my mommy leave me? Yeah. 
Continuing his childhood years, James was a sad, quiet boy, described as sullen. So that's, I mean, when you think of the word sullen, you you, you feel it, you know? Yeah. He was hot-tempered and had almost no friends. He only found joy when target practicing. His love for shooting will not prove to be a good thing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. James continued with his love for guns into his teenage years and even became somewhat of a gunsmith. He attended Waynendale High School. He did well academically and even graduated 51st out of 77 students in his graduating class. So he was super smart. Yep. Book smart. He was known as the weird religious kid that walked with a limp. He was also antisocial and had no friends. For this reason, James would be bullied frequently. Yeah, that's not cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nevertheless, he graduated in 1960. At this point in his life, I truly do feel sorry for him. The fact that his mother abandoned the family when he was such a young boy must have been heartbreaking. Yeah, so I always feel bad, too, because we hear these upbringing of these basically psychotic people when they get older. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. You do feel bad. You do feel bad. That all gets washed away when they do what they do. Oh, especially this guy. James furthered his education going to Malone College for Sociology. However, he made a switch and decided to go into a different direction. He transferred to the Pittsburgh Institute of Mortuary Science in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's a big difference. I thought so, too. While there, he met Etna Markland, and they began dating. So he met somebody. I'm glad he was able to find love, right? Yeah. I mean. Everybody deserves love. Exactly. Here's a little story. I was able to see firsthand what goes into this type of work. Oh, boy. I um, once did a client who passed on. I told her family because I loved her so much that I would do her hair and makeup. Yes, I think you have told me that. And it was very hard. Yeah, I, I bet. I don't know how these people do it, but I will say that what goes into the behind the scenes, I got to see, and it is extremely extremely intensive. Like there's lots of little things you wouldn't even think about. So I give these people big props. That's all I have to say. Oh yeah. You know, because they're embalming, they're doing all this stuff. So it's, it's a lot. Anyways, that was my little side tangent. Like Mark likes to say, it's already been mentioned that James was a very good student. So it was no surprise that he graduated with honors in 1964. He went on to get his embalmer's license the next year he and Etna got married also the same year, 1965. That's a name that you don't hear very often. Etna. Etna. I like it. I it's do cute. too. 
Sounds like things were going in a good direction for him. He has a degree. He just got married. Seems as though he was ready to start his adult life. Thank God. Not too long after he got married, James got a job at a funeral home in Canton. So that's good, right? He's known as craft. Nowadays, people, they graduate and they can't find a job. Yep. He did. Well, there were a few issues about his work performance that his bosses would address. Oh, boy. He was excellent at the craft of embalming, but his people skills were not good at all. Being an introvert and socially awkward is not the type of person that would be good with dealing with family members that have just lost their loved ones. James stayed employed at the funeral home for two years and then decided it was time for a career change. He decided to become a welder for a company in Louisville. He stayed at his job for two years but wanted a better paying position. In June of 1969, he took a job at Badcock and Wilcox, and he, had, he and Aetna moved to Mess, Messalon, Ohio. Their three-story home was in a well-to-do area. So he's, like, doing good. Like, I do like the name of this company, though. Right, yes. I looked it up. I actually <laughs> looked it up. Of course you would. <laughs> oh, my God. Throughout his time working at this company, he was said to be very reliable. He kept to himself and remained antisocial, but seems like he did good work. It just it amazes me that you go from being somebody who bombs people to being a welder. Yeah. That's a little and bit different career track. I, it's just, yeah. The winter of... Ne- well, you know what, though? Before I continue on, it, it does go to show that before his mental issues took over, he's a, he's a guy that could really do whatever he put his mind to and be yeah. do well, you know? The winter of 1971, he and Etna's home was burned down by a pretty aggressive fire. No one was hurt, and the couple liked their street so much they bought another house down the road. Between 1972 and 1974, they had two daughters, Zelia and Cassandra. I hope I said Zelia right, because that's a really pretty name. That is. I like it. By the mid-70s, James was earning about $30,000 a year. This would be equivalent to $121,000 to $145,000 a year present So he's doing pretty good. He was doing good for himself. Yeah, he really was. I mean, they were were living the American dream, you know? Also around this time, he and Etna built an apartment building where their house had burnt down and began managing it. So that house that burnt down, that big house they had, they're like, you know what? Let's make some money. We still own the land, so let's make it That's a good idea. Yeah. It was said to have six apartments in the building. This was another source of income for the family as well. We say this all the time from the outside looking in. This family seems to have it all. James has a great job. They own more than one property and they have two beautiful girls. These are the ones that scare us. Yes. Because these are the ones that could just live right next door to us. Well, let's get into what really was going on behind closed doors. This is where it's going to start getting dicey. Let's just say the supposed head of the house was anything but a good father or husband. Etna actually filed a report with the Canton Department of Family Services. She told them that her husband, quote unquote, messed up her jaw. The battered woman also admitted that her husband hit her frequently, but don't worry, guys. It was only one hit each time. Mm, Yeah, like that makes it better. In her eyes, maybe. James didn't limit his abuse to his wife, as he also was abusive to his daughters. He was known to punch and slap his girls and even hold knives to their throats when enraged. What a scumbag. How scary. Your father holding a knife to your throat? These are the people that you're supposed to look up to as being like our protectors. Yep. I couldn't even imagine. Nope. 
Sounds like a horrible environment to live in. Clearly, Etna knew it and tried to seek help filing a report. This didn't help, and the family carried on living this way. And by 1976, Etna pleaded with James to get some help, thinking maybe it would help him find ways other than using his fists to deal with his anger and anxieties. So she's trying to be a good wife. You Sticking know, by his side, which she's is She's trying to keep the family together. Who knows if the kind of money he was making, maybe she thought, oh my gosh, where am I going to go? I, I He's the breadwinner. You know, you, who knows what goes through a woman's there mind. There were different times gonna, back then. That, but even even in present day, the same things happen. Sometimes people stay because they're afraid. You know, it's it's all very sad. It is sad. I guess he didn't think he was doing anything wrong because this abusive man refused at all costs to see a therapist. Scumbag. Yep. Instead of taking her daughters and leaving, Etna did her best to not do anything that might set her husband off. Many people are probably wondering why she didn't leave. Why did she stay with her abuser? And that's the same uh, same thing I just said. Breadwinner, head of the house. He controlled everything, you know? Yep. I could, I could see why she was afraid I to get leave, it. especially back in that time, like you said. Etna thought of another idea to try and control her husband's moves. This was pretty good, actually. She convinced him that she could read tarot cards. <laughs> she would twist the reading so that he would feel calm when she was done. Trusting his wife knew her craft well. James would follow what the cards said he should do. Not bad. Sounds like he was receiving therapies from Etna. Right. But oh my God, that's like, I mean, she had to get creative, right? Cause that's he wasn't, thinking on your feet. Because he wasn't going to go see a therapist. Oh gosh, no. This poor woman was doing her best to deal with the situation James had put their family in. Those who knew James, co-workers, neighbors, you know, because he didn't have any friends, described him as paranoid, sad looking or down and having a bad temper. So just like his school, the school described him. Yeah. That hadn't changed much. Everyone knew he was obsessed with guns and many thought he kept a list of people in his brain that he felt had wronged him at any point. That's scary. That is. That other people thought that. Wow. Like I have, like I have, I have a running list in my head of who I'm going to take out. Oh my God. That is so scary. Oh, that's just like the Adam Sandler movie. I'm trying to, th- I can't think of what the name is. The guy is. in the basement with the, he takes the lipstick and he crosses his name off when he calls. Yes, to what apologize. is that movie? I forget. Guys, do you remember? Let us know. Cause now, now my brain is going nuts. Darn it. That was a good movie. He like crosses him off. And he's Slowly. like, you can live now. Oh God. It probably, Oh, that's scary. James would call any retaliation towards neighbors as his debts. Man, I wouldn't want any of my leaves to end up in his yard. Right. Or one of my tree branches to lay over his friends. Can you imagine? Oh, no. He even got detained for disorderly conduct when he encouraged his girls to get into a physical fight with a neighbor's girls when they disagreed. Can you imagine that? That's our chalk. (laughs) We just used to draw hopscotch on the street. No, that's our chalk. And then told them to beat them up. Wow. That's something real nice to to teach your children, huh? Correct, yeah. What a, this guy's a complete winner so far. Oh, just wait. James told the father of the two girls, I believe in paying my debts, both good and bad. This guy's a piece of work. I, like, oh my, can you imagine saying that to your neighbor? Especially now knowing what his debts are, it's even worse. Even worse. Oh my God. James told everyone who would listen that he was a survivalist. I couldn't find any information to support this, so he must have decided it himself. Don't you love these people? I do. I camp sometimes so i'm a survivalist if the walking dead ever came to fruition oh, like geez. i'd be dead on the first day oh, me too know what i love 
the naked and afraid people. I do like that. They're like, I'm a level 10 survivalist. I've been blah, 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 blah. And it's like, they're the first ones out. They're like, I got beaten the toe by a... <laughs> and they're like carried out on a stretcher. I do I love, love that show. Me, guys, more so, more often than not, the women are the ones that stick it out. Yeah. It's really interesting. You ever seen the dual survival where they have that Cody guy and then no. they had the military guy? No. They would go out and survive together. Oh, that's such a good one. That's really cool. You have to check that one out, too. Definitely. He was a conspiracy theorist as well. Theorist. Did I say that right? I don't know. Let's just roll oh, with it. Oh, geez. A very paranoid one, it seems. He believed the U.S. government was conspiring against him as a person. Hmm. I don't know what they were conspiring to do. He also believed the Soviet Union was going to attack. It was just a matter of time. Because of this, he started to prepare, prepare for survival, collecting all kinds of supplies, including foods that wouldn't go bad, such as canned goods and water. Sounds like he became a prepper. Yeah, before his time. Yep. Along with food and supplies, James had many guns to choose from. Jim Aslanes was an acquaintance of the family. He said there were guns everywhere in the home. He said, quote, there were so many firearms to, to the point where wherever James was sitting or standing in his home, he could just reach over and get a gun. That's scary. Oh, one more thing. Each of the many guns around the house were fully loaded and the safety was off. Hmm. How nice. That's uh, odd. Yeah. How nice. One of his daughters or anyone for that matter could just simply grab a gun and shoot. Nice, huh? Into the early part of the 80s, it was made known that it wouldn't be long until the plant would close. That plant he was working at? Yep. That he had that great job at? An employee that worked with James during this time had an interesting conversation with him. James told the fellow employee if he lost his job and couldn't provide for his family, he would kill himself and take everyone with him. Hmm. Oh, boy. I mean, clearly the guy probably didn't, you know, take it seriously. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's probably thinks he's upset. He's just like, oh, he's just talking out as, you know, you know what? Right. In November of 1982, that's exactly what happened. The plant closed and all employees were laid off. Etna said that her husband started to hear voices shortly after this. So things are progressively getting worse. By early 1983, James started talking about suicide and placed a pistol to his head, threatening to do so. Etna stopped him from doing this. But later, James would say to her, quote unquote, you should have let me kill myself. Struggling with money, the couple had no choice but to sell their apartment building for $115,000. This was in the spring of 1983. James soon found a job at Union Metal Manufacturing Company. This must have provided some relief, right? You would think. If it did, it was short-lived because this company would close only five weeks after he started working there. So he's down in his luck, can't catch a break, at least before he was kind of like king of the house, making good money, and now, you know, he's not. This makes me wonder how much, you know, their monthly nut was because he had all this income that was coming in from that, you know, apartment building, and that wasn't enough, so he had to sell it. So really, how over their head were they? Exactly. About a week after being laid off the second time, James and one of his daughters were in a car accident. The frustrated man had neck pain due to his injuries, experienced shaking in his hands and in his arms. I'm sure this just added to his overall mental state, making things mm. even worse. So it's just like a domino effect, right? Oh, yeah. He already, we already know he's got the mental issues. He's got the anger issues. He's, he's sad, depressed. 
one thing after another. It just keeps It kind of sounds like he's got a uh, cloud over his head. Yeah. This is now like four different things, one after another. Exactly. <laughs> FYI, Charity's shaking her arm so she can get her stand on her I'm not going to miss my watch. stand because I'm working over here, man. Sorry. By the summer of 1983, James thought that the money received from the sale of the apartment building would last longer in Mexico. Oh, boy. Yeah. The family went ahead and applied for a citizenship. By September, they sold their home, only receiving $12,000 in cash. Wow. I guess we can say that as messed up as he sounds, he had some clarity wanting to provide for his family. So, I mean, is it? Horrible of a person he is, he still wants to provide for his family, which is really weird, right? Because he doesn't treat them well. No, he doesn't. Like if he was, if he really had full clarity, he would take himself away from the family he was abusing and try to provide for them. But I agree. Clearly, he wasn't in that state. James began telling family members and acquaintances that he was relocating his family for better opportunities. He reportedly said, "Quote unquote, we're going to show them who's boss." Who? Well, when he said them, he must have just meant all of Mexico. <laughs> That's what I'm like, who? That's how I took it. Like, who Who are you talking about? All of Mexico? That's crazy. This kind of feeds in a little bit, though, because some some say there was a little bit of racial intentions. Okay. In his actions, and others say no. But just keep that in mind. He did say that about all of Mexico. Alrighty. <laughs> The family successfully moved from Ohio to Tijuana in October of 1983. This was all a pretty quick turnaround, if you ask me. James told his family not to worry. He was sure to bring all his guns and all his survival items, because, you know, he's a survivalist. Yeah. He's got his guns. He can survive anywhere, Mark. He must have thought of them as a necessity, because that's all the family was allowed to bring with them. Necessities. All other items were left in a storage unit in Ohio. Think about this for a second, okay? You're leaving everything you have ever known behind and relocating. Like these girls, that area yeah. was all. You are told you can only bring something you need, not want. What if you want to bring some items of comfort, seeing that you're moving to a strange new community far away from home? Dad, I need my underwear. No, nine millimeters but going in there. That's what I mean. That just that's shows crazy. the like, state of, I don't know. It's been said that Etna and the girls tried their best to fit in with their new surroundings. They became friendly with their new neighbors and embraced their new environment. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Ohio and Tijuana are two completely different worlds. Yeah. I'm wondering if Etna embraced this change with the outlook of a fresh start. No one knowing anything about her family, especially her husband with all of his issues. So back where they were living, the whole community knew, knew about him and who he was yep. like at least this was a fresh start like okay they don't know he's an asshat maybe I maybe i can word. actually make some friends you know i don't know james on the other hand was his usual sullen loner angry self the family would only end up staying in mexico for about three months james still couldn't find a job and fully regretted moving he informed the family they would be moving again this time to san diego san isidro was a poor area just north of the mexican border they moved into the Cottonwood Apartments and were the only Anglo-Americans in the entire apartment complex. Because of this, James was known to be rude and ignorant towards his neighbors. Such a kind man, huh? Yeah, that's shocking to me. So that's why people kind of say, all right, he, he see, it seems from the outside in that he's looking down on someone who isn't oh, initially yeah. the same as him. James was able to find employment as a security guard at a company in Chula Vista. Did I say that good? I think so. I feel like I did. 
I like the name though. I do too. The position was to look after a condo complex. Now making money, the family was able to move to a two bedroom apartment on Averill Road and have their furniture from the storage unit in Ohio shipped to them. I assume things must have started to feel a little less stressful and a little more settled. That was until July 10th. This was when James was let go from his new job and told it was because they felt he might be mentally unstable. This was noticed partly due to his poor work performances. So his other jobs knew he was not like normal, quote unquote, but no one ever said to him, like, I think you need to seek help. This was the first job that was like, dude, something's not. And this probably hit him like a ton of bricks. Yeah. He must have been going downhill because remember in his early working days, he was seen as strange. Yep. But always had great work work ethic, and now he doesn't. So definitely something's going down. July 15th, 1984, James told Etna that he thought he may have a mental problem. How She's s- like, uh, I've been telling you that for 15 years. Yeah. I was just saying, like, how sad is that that he just noticed something was off just because but, someone besides his family said it? That's also, you know, a good introspective of him saying, like, something's wrong. That Exactly. Yeah. Like, he's actually becoming self-aware. Maybe it was the fact, like I said, that someone outside the family noted. You know what I mean? Like, just his wife, he was probably like, oh, you're just my wife. You're saying that about me because blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It was actually um, pretty much a stranger. Yeah, it hits a lot different when it's somebody that you possibly respect, like your boss tells you, like, hey, you're crazy. Yeah. like it's different. Maybe you should get some help for yourself, you know? The morning of July 17th, he called a mental health facility in San Diego asking to be seen. So he... He was feeling so messed up that he actually called a facility. This is, yeah, surprising to me. Yeah. He ended up leaving his information in the hopes to get a call back, being told he would receive a call within a few hours. At least he seems, it like seems like he was trying to get some help, right? Who knows? Maybe if he got diagnosed and on a proper med, he would have been able to live a more normal life. I mean, who knows, right? I agree. We'll, we'll, we'll never know. This is what Edna was trying to get him to do years earlier. Edna has said she remembers him sitting by the phone for hours waiting for a call back. When no call came in, James went for a ride on his motorcycle. The reason there was no immediate call back was because the receptionist that took the call didn't feel as if James was in danger of hurting himself or anyone else. Oh, boy. Because he seemed calm and soft-spoken. Wow. For this reason, she put him on a non-crisis list to be called back within 48 hours. Again, a tragedy could have been prevented if certain situations were handled differently. I guess all of us can say that about one thing or another. The only ifs, right? Yeah. I mean, this woman didn't know, right? But I'm sorry. If somebody reaches out to you and says there's something wrong with me, there should be some sort of priority given. At least a call back. Yeah. And feel them out. Let a doctor, not a receptionist, make that judgment. Right. After about an hour ride on his motorcycle, James came home seeming to be in an okay, calm mood. The family had dinner, and then all four of them took a bike ride to a local park. The girls were 10 and 12 at the time. Everything still seemingly fine. James and Etna settled in and watched some TV before going to bed that evening. The next day, July 18th, the family visited the San Diego Zoo. While there... James told Etna that because he reached out but didn't receive a call back from the mental health facility, his whole life was over. He said, well, society had their chance. That's quite the interesting uh, comment. So he took that as a direct insult hit from society. Like, we're not going to help you, sir. So That's sketchy. You're on your own. 
After leaving the zoo, they had something to eat at a McDonald's, then headed back home. After being home for a little while, James went into the bedroom where Etna was relaxing on their bed. He leaned down and said, I want to kiss you goodbye. Etna kissed her husband, then asked where he was going, thinking ahead about when to cook dinner. Normal question to ask your husband, I guess. He told her he was going hunting, hunting for humans. Oh, boy. She noticed her husband was wearing a maroon T-shirt and camouflage pants. He was carrying a box of ammo and had a gun across his shoulder. He also had some things wrapped in a blanket. As he left, James looked at his daughter, Zelia, and said, goodbye, I won't be back. I'm sure we're all asking ourselves why Etna didn't ask more questions or try and stop him. But remember, she's been with him all this time, right? She mm-hmm. was very used to him acting strange and making really weird statements. I'm sure he said stuff like that all the time. I'm not making excuses, but like, what no, do you do? No, but I agree with you. Right? What do you do? You can't, you can't hold her accountable for it because she did try to get him help. Yeah. You know, she, she pushed, she was just kind of like trying to keep her and her children safe. I, I doubt she ever thought anything to this magnitude was ever going to happen. Nobody ever thinks that. No, no. I do wonder, though, this is my one question, why she didn't ask about the guns. But it seemed very common for him to have a gun or guns in his possession. I don't know. But you know what I do know? What's that? We will all have to wait until the next episode to find out what happens. Oh, you did it to us again. I did. I'm sorry. But before we go, I want to do a quick best of the week because we've had some amazing stuff happen in the Case Watch Crime Creep group this week. I like the best of the week. I do, too. Uh, Kimberly Marie starts it off with Amber Heard dressed up as a Muppet character. Oh my God, that was hysterical. Not to be outdone by Wendy, who did the Amber alert on the bed. Uh, That was like, oh my God, that one had me going a little bit. Stephanie said that she is now listening to our podcast and she loves Quantum Leap as well. Uh, Oh, someone else said they liked um, Knight Rider, the Hoff. Yeah, I somebody else said Joe they Ellen? loved the Hoff. I probably was Joelle. I think it might have been Joelle, and I don't know if I'm. And she goes on to say, "Who could forget about X Files?" I actually never watched X Files. Do you know what's funny is I got into X Files a little bit, and then I just never like some people were religious watchers. Oh yeah, I just never. It went, it went on for a lot of years. I think it really did. Uh, we did do two new uh, shirts designs as well. <gasps> yes, the Sophie the Kitty one, the Crime Kitty. I ordered that one for myself. Did you? And then we have the Case Watch Crime Creep for Life. I love that one. I got to get that one. Lisa asked everybody, what is your porn name? We do have a couple. Joellen says Kim Midnight. Oh, I love that. Susan's is Susan Screwball. Yes. And Emily's is Lauren Peanut. Oh, that is. We need some we need some of our guy creeps too though cuz that th- those are good ones too. Those are really good guys. I absolutely love these porn names. They're so funny. Oh my god, I love it. A uh, big case that we're going to probably have to talk about soon is that they found a submerged vehicle with a missing person investigation. That's all that's being said so far. Really? Yeah, in Lancaster, New Hampshire. So has something to do with Alberta Lehman, who was last seen in 1978. So, hmm. It's going to be an interesting case to delve into as well. Interesting. Oh, know what our crime creep Courtney said? The best part of waking up is Case Watch in your podcast. Was planning to sleep in today since I'm off, but I woke up early, got my coffee, and my Case Watch playing. Thanks, Courtney. One that got me was uh, Walter did that thing that this photo may contain cruel or insensitive thing. I was, I was, and I was clicking that. it. I'm like, what's going on? This is broken. He just wanted to see how creepy all of our, all of us creeps are, and clearly 
we are all meant to be friends because we all were hitting that to see. One other thing that I'm not getting sick of is all the cats flooding. Oh my God, the, uh, they're so cute. The page is great. Did you see Joe Ellen's that was like stretched out across the couch? Look at this. Yes, waiting. Love this. Mark, Susan has a really important question. Okay. She says, hi, creeps. Does anyone know what episode that they talked about when penises were better when they were small? That was the, um, it was the ancient Romans. I think that thought that, but I forget what episode it was in. It was, it was one of the strange histories. So if anybody remembers, please, please let Susan know. I like the response below it. I think, is it Susan or Suzanne? Susan, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E? Suzanne. Sorry, Suzanne needs to know. So let her know. Read the response yeah. below. The one response she got was, this is a lie. <laughs> that I love that. That was so funny. I think I even threw a like on yeah, that. Yeah, you did. That makes my day. It does. I've heard that's a lie. I don't know. Uh, All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Have a good one. Bye, guys. See ya. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.